What's the worst golf-related Christmas present you've ever had? There's been a few bad ones, aren't there? But I always feel really bad because it's always like a well-meaning aunt <laughs> or something. And you always see people, you know, I mean, I don't really go out and do Christmas shopping physically anymore because, you know, Amazon Prime. But I think that, when, you know, when you see people in the shop, and, and again, they're very well-meaning, but there's always like a couple, like maybe in their 60s, and, and like the woman is picking something up, which is just a piece of crap. And she'll go, oh, do you think David will like that? And it's like, no, put it down, buy him some socks, or give him the money. He doesn't want a golf game that he can play on the toilet. He looks at his, it's 2022. He looks at his phone on the toilet, like the rest of us. (laughs) Very passionate about this. It's funny you mention that, because obviously I used to work at a golf shop. And the amount of times I'd work... Christmas Eve and I'd always work Boxing Day. Just I think you're allowed so- to. I think you're allowed to say it was American golf. I don't it think was American golf. Yeah. <laughs> we're, 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 we're <laughs> other stores are. Other stores are. Available. Other golf stores are available. <laughs> They're just not as good but, as American golf. No, but I'd always. It was always compulsory to sort of work Christmas Eve and Boxing Day, and I'd be there, and the amount of people, non-golfers, that would come in on Christmas Eve to panic buy a novelty gift and I'll be like no 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 and then I would see that exact same gift returned on boxing day when I came in <laughs> with the same receipt I'd just served two days before honestly it was just like a conveyor belt of gifts getting bought and then returned for a voucher on on boxing day so right if yeah. you're if you're listening to this and you're a, a well if you're listening to this you're almost certainly a golfer if for on the off chance you're listening to this and you're not a golfer but you have a golfer in your life for whom you need to buy a christmas present golf balls okay we always need golf balls or... yeah but hang on you say that i once got a box of donna golf balls <laughs> christmas that was probably my worst tightest tailor-made yeah callaway and no putting mats on the toilet like they no toilet bad. putting mats or or this is and if you're a golfer looking and someone has said to you what do you want for christmas this year and you've done that classic thing where you go oh i don't know i don't know it's really hard to think and it is really hard to think i don't know what i want for christmas but ps5 if you're listening a really really good present and this is some self-promotion ncg top 100s tour 2023 there's like a billion events there's one that's going to be near you and if there isn't you can go on a really cool golf break with your mates i don't even i don't even get any commission for this but it is a brilliant brilliant present buy someone a round of golf and start with the ncg top 100s tour yeah that was some nice self-promotion. do you reckon we'll get do you reckon we'll get anything for that do you reckon we'll get some mm-hmm. maybe some extra potatoes at the christmas dinner fingers crossed You created like a golf starting 11 for football. Now, do you want to just take us through it really quickly and perhaps I, I can question do. some positions and well, explain what you think? As it there. is World Cup fever, it did get me thinking who's the best, who who would make a great 11 from the world of golf? And then our friends over at Live Golf did their own tweet and it was the most questionable thing I've ever seen. Um, I mean, Brooks Kepka was at centre back and Phil Gordon was in the starting 11 and I was like, hang on, this is just wrong. So Brooks Kepka is not Brooks Kepka is not a centre back, is he? He's he's, he's a he's a ruthless forward who scores 150 goals in five seasons. Correct. Brooks Kepka is Rude Van Nistelrooy. Oh, he would be that rude, wouldn't he? So this is my eleven. I'll talk you through it and tell me what you think. I have picked a manager as well because you know we're going all out for this. Um, 
not just Jay. And I was, well, I was a bit, no, I was a bit torn between two. I was torn between uh, Jimenez, Miguel Angel Jimenez, as sort of a Del Bosque type, all in black manager. But in the end, I thought, you know what? We've had our disputes this year. We've had our differences. I'm going to give it to Poulter because, you know, he brings the passion. He knows his football. And I just think this vendetta that I have against him, he just needs to, needs to fizzle out. I, w- I want to be friends again with Poulter, I've decided. So, Poulter, if you're listening. So, so Poulter no longer allowed in the Ryder Cup. So, therefore, you're thinking, do you know what? I'm going to throw him a bone. Yeah. Let's get him yet. managing. Not, let, not, not allowed in the Ryder Cup yet. We, yes. don't, we don't know yet. Come on. Let's stop jumping. Let's please stop so, going down that road. And now, on, now it, is a very, it is a very European and South American team. And, um, yeah, this is a reflection. This is a reflection of US football. So I know they got a draw against us, but I'm not putting many of the Yanks in there, I'm afraid. I'm going for a 4-4-1-1 formation. Okay. Now, in goal, Nicholas Colsarts, because he is a unit, one of the tallest men in golf, definitely has safe hands. Bless him, his golf's deteriorated a bit, so maybe a new career in football could be good. Right back is Francesco Molinari. Now, he's at right back because he is Italian, so they know there is a there is a, tu- there is a touch of Gary Neville about him, isn't there? There is a touch of Gary Neville about him, and I've gone for Tommy Fleetwood at right wing. That chemistry oh, down the right okay. wing so is going to be So they can have that. So they can have that like Neville Beckham thing exactly. down the right Molinari like overlapping for days. And I can they see just... Tommy Fleetwood with sort of the greasy slip back hair whipping in crosses. So that's my right hand side. Okay, I'm I'm down with that, yeah. Two centre backs, two big boys, two no nonsense centre backs, John Rahm, Shane Lowry. You're not getting past those two, are you? I think you've gone for two centre backs who are probably perhaps a bit too similar. I think you need like a you need a big hard centre back. So I think you probably would have one of those, and then perhaps like a ball playing centre back. Oh yeah, but this is a no nonsense backline. So okay, all right. Now left back. This this one I did a bit of research and I found out Xander Schofer, and he ended up having to pick between golf and uh, soccer, as they call it. So he have gone for him at left back because. I've got some quality in attack, and you know, you, you usually put left back, you just put whoever's left there, don't you? So he was basically, he was left. Xander's a left back. <laughs> Little you did bite your whole legs team left and you back. Went, I need a left back, and then you Googled football, golf, <laughs> and then came up with Xander Showplay somehow. Okay, cool. All right. Correct. So Tommy's at the right wing, as we said. Now, centre mid, this is a reflection of the manager. You know, Sunday League, the manager always picks his son, and he always puts him at centre mid, doesn't he? <laughs> so centre mid is Sam Horsfield. Because Poulter absolutely <laughs> loved him. He basically Poulter's adopted son, isn't he? The um, son. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Then making up the rest of the midfield is my little Spanish slash South American trio. So mm-hmm. I've gone Joaquin Neiman, Abe Anser on the left, and then Sergio Garcia playing at number 10. Because it just makes sense, right? I could see Garcia in the hole, yeah. You know, doing his bit. So I think those three will work well. And then up front, I've gone for the big Polish number nine, who's just guaranteed to score goals, and that's Adrian Moronk. I think that man is a no-nonsense number nine. He's in form in the world of golf. He'd be in form for my team. Step aside Robert Lewandowski, because Moronk's leading my line. He's proven in recent weeks that he is a clinical finisher. So, Correct. So that is my World Cup Golf 11. To be honest, I just can't see any flaws of it. I think it's bound for success. Maybe yeah, I, 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 can kind of see, I can kind of see Neiman in that tricky South American midfielder kind of role mm. and I can certainly see Garcia floating in behind the striker I think I'd have Cam Smith in there somewhere Cam Smith's got box to box midfielder written all over him really hasn't he Ooh. 
He does, just yeah. Playing that, playing that gentle, like that, that Paul Scholes kind of role, just, just knows that killer pass in the right, in the right place at the right time. And yeah, I think I would, I would have Kepka up front. I mean, if, if you're going to have someone up front, <laughs> it's, it's just got to be the most clinical finisher in golf. Although obviously the last couple of years, not necessarily as much. But anyway, that was fun. How many people do you reckon we've still got listening? How many Could people have given given up? Could be struggling, right? Onto the well, onto the proper let's, stuff. Let's stay with your striker, Moronk, because he won again. He is really putting himself in a position now. If he doesn't qualify automatically for the Ryder Cup, he's going to make Luke Donald's life very difficult. Now, in <clears throat> in terms of the Ryder Cup, I think I've in my head, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, in my head I've got seven players, I think, who are guaranteed to play. So in no particular order. Fitzpatrick, Fleet, sorry, they are in a particular order, alphabetical. So the seven are guaranteed are Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, Hatton, Hovland, Lowry, McRoy, Rahm. I think those seven are guaranteed whether they qualify or if any if any of those I think I think six of those seven will qualify. And then I think whichever one of those seven doesn't qualify is the first name on Luke Donald's wildcard list. And then the outsiders, just forgive me if I've forgotten anyone and well, remind me if I've forgotten anyone. But I've got Power, Stracker, Norren, Peters, McIntyre, Migliozzi, Rasmus Hoygaard, and then Moronk, of course. Moronk, are we, yeah. are, are you, do you think that the hour 12 is coming from that list of players that I've just read out? They're the only other outsider I keep coming back to is Danny Willer. Um, because, but it's whether he's, it would have to be, I don't think he would pick him as a, because he's a, an older head and, and he's had experience in the competition. He would only, I think, pick him if he, if he was forced to pick him in terms of he, he decided to have a good season on the PGA Tour, because I think all those guys you've listed are sort of more young and up and comers. And I think that's what he's leaning towards for his picks, isn't he? Well, on a similar note, what about Justin Rose? He's obviously been hampered yeah. by injury this year. Somewhat controversially missed out at Whistling Straits, if I recall. So, I mean, he's he's absolutely thinking, I want at least one. I mean, he's probably going to be the next captain. At well, yeah. He'd... So he is I 100% think him... thinking, I want to play in one more. Yeah, but I just think it would be a bit like with it. They'd almost have to force his hand. I don't I don't think he'd be picking them base. I think he's got enough experience in there anyway. And he's already said about how he wants to sort of build for the future. So I think it would only be a case of picking Rose if if he somehow regains some form and, and put himself in the conversation. And now I can't see that happening based on what we've seen from Justin in the last well, in the last year. To to be honest, I think Rose will get that call up as a vice, don't you? Um, there's still one spot left, probably. Usually, they usually have, what, four vice-captains, do they? First of all, just to answer that question, he will absolutely be there as a vice-captain if he doesn't make it or get picked as a player. Yeah. But just to come back to your point about the amount of experience he has in the team. Now, if you take those seven that I chose, you can't rely on Fitzpatrick from an experience point of view. Yeah, he's play, played in a couple, two or three, but he's he's played really poorly. He needs to concentrate on his game. He's, it's a different Matthew Fitzpatrick that will play in this Ryder Cup compared to the previous. Certainly, I mean, the obvious thing being that he's a major champion now. Yeah. So I fully expect him to do well, but you can't rely on him as a leader. 
Tyrrell Hutton, again, played in a couple. Is he a leader? No. Hovland? No. Lowry's only played one. He only played, his, his whistling straights was his debut, wasn't it? So really only McCoy and Rahm and Fleetwood are the only real leaders you can go to in that team. Is that enough? Three leaders? I mean, Luke Donald might be looking at that and going, OK, well, Justin Rose is about as experienced as you can get in the Ryder Cup. He's won it a bucket load of times. He obviously had a really good partnership with Henrik Stenson. If Justin Rose stays injury free throughout the main part of the season in 2023 and plays well, doesn't necessarily, I don't think he necessarily has to win. I think he just has to put himself there or thereabouts week in, week out and, and you know, have, have a, maybe have a decent run in a major. And I think he goes just because what he offers the team. I agree, but I just can't, sadly, and I just can't see that happening, what you've just said. I mean, what, where, where's the indicate? I know he's, he had injury, didn't he? So maybe I'm judging a bit harshly, but I just can't see where this form is going to come from to even push himself in there at the minute. Um, and maybe that's a bit short-sighted, and I know he's had an injury, but um, and I, I completely agree. He would be one of the leaders, and I think he would he'd be great in there. But just unless the form's there, which, especially with all those guys you've just mentioned on the European side who are just in red-hot form, it'd be tough to, to pick him without any reason to pick him other than the fact he's Justin Rose and then leave out someone who's just in red-hot form. So if we were picking the team today, I think you take Morong, don't you? Just because oh, of yeah. his form recently. So, but he's got to keep that up. He's got to keep that up. A bit similar to, to Stracker, I think, over on the PGA. Um, yeah, like I say, you, they've got to keep it up, and you know we're going to be having these conversations now on a weekly basis, aren't we? And there's going to be new guys throwing themselves in there. But Morong just incredible. I mean, he's now gonna, he's just on, he, he's not quite in it yet, but he will be as of next week, I think, when the rankings update again. But he's going to now be in the top 50 in the world. It's a master's you know, place. If he which finishes is a master's year, place. Yeah, so he should get in all the majors. He's already qualified now for the the Open automatically because he won the um, Australian Open, which gets you in. He won the Irish Open, didn't he, back in the summer? He's risen. I mean, he was outside, I think, world's top 200 before the start of the year. Now he's into the world top 50. So, yeah, what a year. And he ended up winning. Did you see his eagle on the last? Hold a monster putt. I mean, he'd already won. He he ended up winning by four with just an amazing putt. And from whenever I've watched Moronk, yeah... he does bomb it. He's he's a big figure, but he's really good around the greens. And I think especially, obviously, if you can hold clutch putts in the Ryder Cup, that's what it's all about, isn't it? So I mean, there is, of course, an argument that Moronka's peaked too soon. Like if he if he gets the other side of Christmas and then perhaps goes on a bit of a run where he's not really competing, then that's sort of not really what you want going into exactly. the Ryder Cup. Is it? You still want players in form. But I think that really... Those eight players that I said, I don't think, I mean, I wrote down Thomas Detry. I don't think he's in the conversation at the moment. I just think there's too many people ahead of him. And and I didn't even mention Jordan Smith, who won a couple of weeks ago as well. So I think really there's eight to 10 players, if we take those names that I've mentioned, vying for five places, essentially. Yeah. So someone's going to be disappointed. So one of these guys... Oh, if if your power Stracker, Peters, Norrin, McIntyre, Moronk, Migliozzi, those names that I said, one of all of those are going right. If I want to play Ryder Cup, I've got to take this by the scruff of the neck. I've got there's there's eight or nine guys that want one one of five spots. I need to take this by the scruff of the neck, and I need to play well. I was pretty close to having power in my guaranteed because he's just been playing so well, but I've just dropped him to an outside into the outsider list just because it makes it more interesting more than anything. Yeah, and, and I, I think that one, any of those, the the five, the four or five of those guys who 
take it by the scruff of the neck, we'll get into the Ryder Cup. And then I think that actually, then I think Luke Donald starts going, right, well, I've got seven guys, I've got my six qualifiers, sorry, I've got four or five guys who I'm absolutely definitely going to pick. And then there's one or two spots open with, you know, only maybe have perhaps a few weeks to go until the Ryder Cup. And that's when he might be starting to think, well, OK, maybe I bring someone like Justin Rose in who's been playing well through the summer and I want his experience and his, and, and what he brings to the team room. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, there's always going to be. There's someone's going to come out of nowhere as well, aren't they? There's always yeah, that one guy that every well. time. Yeah. So we've mentioned all them, but you just know someone who's not even on that list is just going to have a ridiculous year and come out and almost force force the conversation and force the hand in. So, which is also exciting, isn't it? So there's always guys, and there is a there are potentially one or two just guys from out of nowhere. So it's exciting. I mean, if we'd been having this conversation, I think a year ago, you I don't think we'd have been as confident, would we? And we wouldn't be mentioning half as many names, would we? We say it all the time. It's a transition period, blah, blah, blah. But I think that actually it's it's looking at the basis of the team. I'm actually pretty excited. I'm, well, not excited. I'm always excited for the Ryder Cup. I'm conf- I'm more confident I was going to the last one. I said it last week, I think, or the week before. We went into Whistling Straits. I don't know if anyone else felt like this, but I certainly went into Whistling Straits thinking we're on for an absolute hiding here. We were due one and we got one. And it was thoroughly deserved um, that you, you cannot take anything away from the USA. They absolutely deserved that record breaking victory or certainly record breaking in the um, USA Europe era. Yeah, I'm genuinely confident. Like if I was picking the team today and I was picking 12 players from those uh, maybe 15 or 16 players we've mentioned in the last 10 minutes, I think I would absolutely be confident going in. But then you just look at the USA team and you think, good grief, like, there's just so much strength in depth there. Yeah. There are going to be there are going to be players. You're going to be looking at players missing out on the USA team that would uh, that would have been guaranteed spots on our on, on our team. That's it. And 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 we're almost I wouldn't say clutching at straws, but we're we're almost looking to these guys on the DP World Tour who are sort of outside is thinking, oh, he could do a job. He's had a good year, blah, blah. The USA don't even need to have these conversations, do they? They're not even looking past that core group because they're just so good and so star studded. So that's just a reflection of, of how good they are. The fact that they're not even needing to have these conversations that we're having. On the flip side of that, the USA have rocked up to Europe with star-studded teams plenty of times in the past. And Europe have had not so much of a star-studded team and absolutely destroyed them. So it's the Ryder Cup. Anything can happen, yeah, maybe. Anything can happen, and I'm sure it will. Victor Hovland, that was good. I'm always was, happy when Victor wins. The the one thing for me was I felt horrible because I was actually wanting Hovland to win, not so much because I really like him and I like like I like him as a player and it's obviously good for Team Europe and he is a European and he's very likable. Yada yada yada. It was the fact that if Scheffler, who was pushing him all the way, if Scheffler had won he'd have gone back to world number one and I didn't want that to happen and not just because obviously Rory I want Rory McIlroy to be world number one I didn't want it to happen purely because social media Twitter in particular would have absolutely exploded especially in this recent weeks with all the chat about the official world golf ranking and how many points each tournament's getting and live golf obviously not being involved and then for a player to then go and win an 18-man exhibition in the bahamas and then go back to world number one it just would have been unbearable wouldn't it yeah 
It would have been it would have been all about Cam Smith, wouldn't it, again? But I don't really know what's going on with the rankings now, because they said that if Scheffler had got to number one, then no matter what, McElroy would then go back to number one again by the end of the year. I don't know how the points stack up, but it, Strange, it, it? It, it was weird. It was like it would go back to number one and it would change again. And like you say, it would all just cause a bunch of drama. People crying on Twitter. <sighs> Honestly, who... Ah. Oh, I can't believe it. the the fact that it's just all the chatter is about world rankings at the minute. Like it's just never been like this, has it? It's not. But the fact I look, I in terms of live golf, I still absolutely one hundred percent of the opinion that until they meet the criteria of OWGR, they can't be in the the Minotaur thing. Just forget it. It's nonsense. <laughs> I mean, the the Minotaur, the Minotaur haven't even. I mean, since that happened, we had. I think did we have two or three live golf events since that Minotaur partnership came became a thing, and at no point has the Minotaur mentioned those live golf events or even tweeted about them or anything like that. So no. the partnership is a sham for starters. Let's just get that out there. But I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've, I'm still of the same opinion that live golf absolutely, if they meet the criteria, fine, they should be part of OWGR until they meet the criteria, no. And I know that Bubba Watson was hacking off on social media about it over the weekend and giving it the party line of, oh, and, until you know your facts and all this stuff. But the one thing I do agree with what everyone is saying is that there is a fundamental flaw with the OWGR. There's RSM Classic way more points than the DP World Tour Championship simply because that's a limited field. But then you've got this limited field in the Bahamas, which is just basically Tiger Woods going to 17 of his mates. You want to come and play golf with me? Yeah. And then they get more world rankings than than most other events. So and, and you know, Justin Thomas came out on Twitter and said in, in this Bubba Watson argument. And he said, well, the reason why there's so many ranking points at the um, at the Hero World Challenge is because there's. 18 of the top 20 players in the world playing or whatever it is. And, and he's absolutely right. Like if you're, it should be like, I've always said it should be a strength of field thing. It doesn't matter if you've, and, and, and I made this argument last week, you haven't got to beat 156 guys. You've got to beat the, however many people make the cut for starters. Yeah, six, like yeah. the, the first two days is everyone just trying to make the cut, isn't it? And then it's, then you've got to beat whoever's there, whoever's left over. And you, you, you have this situation where really strong fields are getting completely are getting punished because of this new system and it is, and it is flawed and it is going to be something that gets looked at i think yeah 100 percent. it just didn't come at a good time did it really the hero i don't think in terms of all the noise surrounding it uh and you obviously will come to it in a minute but you had tiger's explosive press conference where he echoed what john rahm and many others have said about it being flawed and then suddenly you've got this exhibition event hand-picked almost and then getting all these points it just didn't really do them any favours in terms of timing did it but there we are but Tiger said a lot didn't he in the end Tiger did say a lot I mean that that OWGR thing it was interesting that he came out I mean first of all he came out and said that Rory is basically the leader when it comes to the PGA Tour you'd think that in that relationship Tiger is obviously the alpha male when it comes to golf but of course he's sort of it's almost like he's passing the torch that's and it yeah I thought it was really interesting what he said about how they tackle live golf, which is, you know, when this World Tour chat happened 30 odd years ago, when Greg Norman was first go at it and Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer and Gary Player fought for the PGA Tour and ultimately won. And he's saying that that's technically our role now. That's that's Tiger's role now. It's Rory's role now. That's what we've got to do. Um, 
but it was such a good press conference. And then obviously saying that Greg Norman's got to go. Now, I don't really have an opinion on that. I don't think I think I think Greg Norman is far too emotional to be in that role simply because of what's gone on in the past and what's gone on in this last year. It almost feels like it just needs a businessman to come in and do it. It does. And um, he was the perfect man to get it going because the whole, you know, the whole ethos was that um, he was, the, the, you know, the disruptor tour. And who better to be the face of the disruptor tour than Norman? And to I would argue he's done his job like for this year. Do you know what I mean? Everything they probably wanted, he's given them, hasn't he? So I wouldn't fault him for that. But now moving forward, and especially we spoke about how crucial the next year is and then the year after that, especially from a business point of view, he's just not not the man. And I'm I'm not just talking about negotiations as well, because obviously that's going to need to happen. And I'd also argue, I, I would say, and Sergio Garcia bit back, didn't he? And he said, you know, well, what about Jay Monaghan? Now, he's at, Garcia says, you know, nine nine times out of ten, he just chats nonsense, doesn't he? Especially at the minute. But he's got a point. If we're talking about, well, Norman has to go so that the two heads can come to the table and negotiate. Well, then absolutely, Monaghan needs to go as well because he's been as stubborn as Norman, and maybe that's more a reflection of Norman. But he's been as stubborn, and he's clearly closed the door to any sort of negotiation. So if we're saying Norman needs to go purely from that point of view, now I don't think that. I think Norman needs to go from a business point of view, like you alluded to. If we just talk about negotiations, which is what Tiger was probably referring to, what about Monaghan? What about Jay Monaghan? You know? Jay Monaghan is a... He is yeah, a but he's a fool. There'll only be discussions when, when they both go, in my opinion. And I don't know when that will be. First of all, Monaghan's not going to go over the live stuff. Certainly not. No. But if if he did... Let's just... yeah, In a fantasy world where Monaghan's been forced out of his job because of this... Whoever yeah. comes in is still going to be a staunch PGA Tour activist and have no interest in. It's going to be the same feeling. Sorry, it's going to push the same message that Monaghan has pushed throughout. I don't think we can sit here and say that this rival company has come along and it's going to cost the original company no. his, his job. It seems a bit strange, but I just think for me that no, I would never wish someone out of a job. I'm sure. Greg's all right for money if he does lose this job, but he's 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 clearly not the right man because he's no. just got too there's too he's not the right man because there is too much emotion attached to it from his perspective. Whether it's going back to the 90s when he tried to do this world golf tour before, or or just the way he's generally behaved. I mean, he's been interviewed in the last couple of days where. He said, oh, I don't really care what Tiger and Rory say about me. And then he went off on one about them. I was like, well, you obviously do care because otherwise you wouldn't be talking about it. Uh, I, I just think that actually he's too involved in the emotional side of things. I think he probably needs to just uh, he's not going to because he's too egotistical. Too but stubborn, I think yeah. he needs to step back and say, right, I've done what I can with this. I want to play. I'm happy to stay on in a consultancy role or something like that. Or as even as the uh, move, maybe they were talking about moving him upstairs, weren't they? But I don't really know what that means. Um, like director. Yeah, I didn't get that. I'm like, like where that. where is he going to go? <laughs> but I think someone needs to come in and be the face of that tour if they want to make it. Uh, if they if they want to get over this lift golf versus PGA Tour rivalry, I don't think we ever will. I think this rivalry is just going to be a thing now. I don't think it will end. I said this a few weeks ago, but I think that once the once we have the 48 players 
for next year, I think actually it will quieten down a little bit. I mean, we've got most of those 48, haven't we? We know who most of those 48 are going to be, but obviously it's going to be a fixed 48-man field for their 14 events or whatever they've got planned next year. We know who it is and we can just get on with our lives. There's not going to be any speculation because that's what's keeping us going with it all at the moment, isn't it? The speculation about who's going to go and who's not going to go. But but then it is just going to continue, surely, because that 48th field is not going to be... You know, how how much longevity is that is that field going to have when you look at some of the names, some of the sort of you know the guys that are past their peak? So they're yeah. going to need to so they're going to keep needing to add to that, aren't they? Almost on a year by year basis. Now is that going to be a case that they keep just almost hand picking and throwing money at PGA Tour stars? Because if it is, then it's never going to end, is it? All this turmoil? No, because I don't. They can't ha- that can't be the business model because it's just not financially viable i mean i know we're talking about a, a country and the, the pif which is basically bottomless but at some point they're going to get bored of it and go now nah, you're all right this isn't really getting us anywhere people just keep saying yeah. sports washing and talking about beheading <laughs> like why it's not really working so, so I you mean, just I think it would just so by that logic do you just think it would just it would just die out well i don't know eventually. if it'll die out they might carry on doing it in some sort of guise but i i feel like at some point the saudis are going to get bored with it and go do you know what this this isn't really worth what we're putting out on it and we've got to make this financially like the plan always was that they would start they need to make money out of it which is when they started talking about team names and stuff now i think it will be an ongoing thing this is why this is you know you 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 said it there and that's the reason why i said it will be an ongoing thing because every year we're going to be saying well who's going but if they want to get in owgr they need to have a clear route to qualify for the tour. Now, that's that's going to mean that a lot of people do go and try and qualify for it. But that also doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have, I don't know, the Cameron Youngs of the world and the Xander Chauflays going for it. It means you're probably going to have the Andy Ogletrees going for it because they want to go and try and qualify and make themselves a quick buck over the next couple of seasons or even just one season before they get relegated back to the one event to be honest yeah we'll see but we're getting to that big stage now aren't we it's going to almost be the live transfer window soon that's exciting yeah i'm sort of a bit over it now it's been really exciting this year but every time something happens i'm just a bit like it's tiger season anyway all i want for christmas is a live free week i thought you were going to say a free live hat then (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't want a free live hat. I I don't want to. I don't want a paid for live hat. I don't want a free live hat. Wow. I quite like Rory McIlroy's interview with Paul Kimmage in the Irish Independent. The second part has come out. There's two bits I really liked, and one of the first one of which was him saying that he had basically talked a player out of going to live. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, he essentially said he told this player. I may live in a bigger house nowadays, but I still use the same four rooms. What do we think that is? Living room, bedroom, bathroom, kitchen. Yeah, I don't. Rory McIlroy does not do the laundry in his house. What's he on about? (laughs) But carry on. I don't do anything differently. And maybe the surroundings or whatever are nicer. But tell me what this money is going to do for you that you don't already do. I wonder who that player was. I thought. Same. I thought Cam Young immediately because he was linked. Yeah. I thought, I thought Xander Schofle as well because he's and probably perhaps Morikawa maybe. Those th- those are three players that have sort of been quite heavily linked in the last year. It'll be one of those boys, but uh, he, he couldn't mention him because imagine the the, the just fallout if he had mentioned someone they'd have just been getting 
hammered with questions, wouldn't they? And tweets and well, everything. No, you, obviously so can't name, you obviously can't name names, but I think it's quite fun for yeah. us to speculate. Oh, it is. I mean, we've been doing it all year, haven't we? Um, but what a great crow. I mean, quote. I mean, he always he's always on the on the money with these sort of things, isn't he? If you pardon the pun there, I guess. But um, it yeah, it was a great quote. There were many great quotes in that in that article in the end. Well, the, well, the, what was the, your what was your second favorite? The thing about the was just genius, wasn't it? That was, I think, yeah. So that was my third favorite. I'm going in reverse order. Oh. My second favorite was when he was talking to when he revealed that discussion that he had with Sergio Garcia, it's which incredible. is just so funny. Like when he's saying when when Garcia <laughs> is basically going, "Yeah, I got a new plane. Do you want to come over to London for the first event?" And then McElroy's like, "What are you on about?" And then it was Harry Diamond <laughs> had to say to him. He had to. He said that Sergio walked away, and then McElroy turned to Diamond and said, "What the hell is he on about with London?" <laughs> and he said, "Well, the first live events in London." And, he, and McElroy just had no idea. I mean, he probably did. I think he's been a bit cheeky there, but I, I thought that was quite interesting because obviously McElroy and Garcia are really close friends. He was a groomsman, was he at his wedding? He was, obviously yeah. A groomsman. He was not. He wasn't his bridesmaid, was he? So he was a groomsman at his wedding. They were obviously really, really close. I mean, Garcia was basically this, apart from Tiger Woods, Garcia was this guy's idol growing up. They've sort of fallen out about it. They've exchanged a couple of text messages and McElroy said that he woke up uh, like whatever time it was in the morning because um, it would have been. Yeah, because he was in Canada, wasn't he? And Garcia was in London. Is that right? Yeah, he said it was uh, five, about half five. Yeah, half five in the, in morning. the morning. He wakes up. He's got messages from Garcia basically telling him to shut up talking about Liv, which is <laughs> just brilliant. And then they had a bit of a back and forth about it. <laughs> uh, we know it's interesting that sorry it's interesting that McElroy's taking himself on as like the the guard I mean we called him the guardian of the PGA tour <laughs> but it's sort of and, and and people sort of mocked that idea but actually it sort of seems like he is he seems to be the one who's doing all the firefighting well that's it yeah and I mean it was very candid in that article about how much that was sort of not put on him but the role that Tiger Woods had in sort of, you know, saying, OK, this is this is your fight to fight to an extent. I'm out. Um, I mean, there was a couple of really interesting revelations from that same interview about Tiger Woods. He was saying that he's got significantly closer to Tiger since Tiger's crash. You know, he was yeah. saying they're always sort of I, and, I, and I almost look at it in that before that, before the crash, we know Tiger was he was back, wasn't he? I mean, he won the Masters, he'd won the Zozo. Maybe that Tiger was still looking at Rory as a rival at that stage, wasn't he? Because you know how, you know, ultra competitive Tiger is. And then it was almost the crash happened and Tiger sort of deep down knew, OK, I'm actually sort of done here. And Rory said that, you know, he went to visit Tiger during that and, and Tiger said to him, look. And that was when Rory was really struggling with his game. And Tiger said, look, I'm going to now, you know, almost let you in on some secrets, I think, was what was how Rory put it. And that. Tiger from that moment on took him under his wing and has now almost propelled him to the, be the main man on the PGA Tour, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and we've seen it this year, you know, exemplified on and off the course, haven't we? Tiger obviously talked about, I don't want to use the word retirement, but because you can't, can you really retire at golf if you're still playing? But Not he's really. he, he's obviously really scaling back on what he's going to play like we're, we're probably expecting that he'll only play the majors this year plus one or two others before he gets into hero world challenge and pnc championship as he does every year and i think there's a there's a really nice piece with alan shearer on the athletic pay for your journalism guys where he says actually the bit where you realize you've got to retire and he's talking about the likes of 
Gareth Bale, for example, and he's saying that that moment when you realise you've got to retire from something you've done your entire life since you were a child. And Tiger is in that period now where he's like, I have to accept that I'm never going to play golf to the level that I want to play again. But there is still that burn in him that he wants to get to 83 PGA Tour wins. So he's out on his own ahead of Sam Snead. He obviously still fancies himself at a major. I mean, would you, if he if he gets himself fit, would you bet against him at the Masters or or the Open? Like it's, well, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because he said he's still hitting all the you. shots. He said he's shooting 63, 64. He can still hit all the shots, and I don't doubt that. You know, why would he lie about that? So, you know, just look. If we were to just just hear that, you'd say absolutely. But the guy can't walk, can he? And he's obviously got too much pride and obviously there's rules in place that, you know, he's not going to take a buggy or anything like that. I just, it's too tough an ask. I mean, we saw what he was like in at the PGA and at the US, uh, sorry, at the Open. You know, it's not just about hitting the ball, is it? The, the walking side of it is just, yeah. I think it's just too much. Like we're, we're, all, we're all, and I think him included, we're all clinging on to that, that last little bit of hope, isn't it, that's left now? Um, which is sad, but you know we've got to sort of accept it, haven't we? I think also this is the first time that I've, uh, and I can't be alone in this, but my entire life I've gone through going, Tiger can definitely win again. Like how many times have you had that conversation with your yeah. mates or at the clubhouse or us uh, in the office at NCG? How many times have we had that conversation? Like can Tiger win again? And every single year, like, well, yeah, of course he can. It's Tiger Woods. I think this is the first time where I've gone, do you know what? I think he's probably going to have to accept that 82 is the mark that he's hitting because I just don't think he's got it in him physically to be able to win another tournament, let alone a major. No. Anyway, let's go back to McElroy because we didn't get to number one, which is him oh, yeah. explaining the moment where his feud, if we want to call it that, with with Greg Norman was sparked and it I mean it's hilarious isn't it I mean Kim had just done such a good job like eking this out of him and <laughs> so he says he says that he he texted so I'm just doing this from memory he texted he texted Norman to say was it his ESPN 30 for 30 watched his thing his yeah. program he watched his ESPN yeah. film he he thought, you know what, that's a really hard thing to do because he was talking about the, his collapse at the Masters, which is obviously a really difficult thing for him to do. It's, the, it's probably, despite the fact he won two majors, it's probably the thing that Norman is remembered for the most. Uh, maybe that's why he's doing this whole live golf thing, because he wants people to stop talking about the 86 Masters. Yeah. Uh, and then so he messaged Greg. Greg messaged back and said, look, yeah, I, I and, and, you know, McElroy said, he was really kind to me. He reached out to me in 2011 when McElroy had his own little collapse there and they they shared some really nice messages. And then he said a few weeks later, he turns on the TV or whatever it was. And, and Greg Norman's on there going, oh, yeah, Rory McElroy's been brainwashed by by <laughs> by the PGA Tour. And then he's going, well, hang on a second. Like, why are you saying that? Like, we've shared some really nice messages privately. And now you're doing this interview and basically mugging me off. So I think he didn't he say something like uh, at that point, I made it my business to just basically become a pain in the ass for Greg Norman. And yeah. he's done that. Like, he's absolutely done that. I mean, you could sort of just say, why doesn't McElroy just step back and just go, just let Greg do what he's got to do. I don't really care. But actually, McElroy's managed to do it in a way that's, A, not been a distraction to his game, because obviously he's still been out of this world. 
and be incredibly funny and entertaining for the rest of us. Well, it has. Um, no matter how well he speaks and how well he comes across and how valid his points are, the problem is McRoy now being the biggest star in golf, whenever he does talk or wherever he tries to, to wind Greg up or be a pain in his ass, he puts it, all it does is just make the friction worse and it makes you know all the guys that are on the live side just it fuels their anger more and it's a tough one because I almost think if Rory hadn't have sort of played this role this past year I don't think the turmoil or the friction would be as high as it has I think I think McElroy not intentionally or perhaps intentionally judging by that quote but I just think the way McElroy has actually been this year he's he's made things a lot worse in my opinion and it's probably a controversial take but just, you know, coming out and just having the little cheap shots at Greg and even though they're they're just and they he, make, he makes a good point every time he does it, it, all it does is just it just fuels the hate from both sides even more. And I think I don't know if it's been problematic or not, or if it's if it's just made Liv look stupid or all these things. But McElroy is saying there the reason why I had those little like when he said Yeah, oh, no, of course. When he won the Canadian and he said, Oh, now it's I'm I'm one ahead of a certain someone, like that is him responding to greg in this it was but that, uh, shark it was not his though yeah shark the thing about his espn documentary him saying that now i i, I look i'm fully on mcelroy's side here i think that greg has everything he's that he's got coming to it i say greg like he's my mate he's got everything coming to like he deserves everything that he's had this year but i mean but that's my it, point I, my, I, I think i would agree with you if if it was all unprovoked but the fact that live golf has even been created and the way it's been created and the way they've made the noise and the way that they've gone after the PGA tour, the way they have, it's absolutely deserving. And like I said, if it was affecting, if it was affecting McElroy's game, I think I would be sitting here going, he needs to just lay off the list yeah, yeah. to concentrate on his game. But it's made it better, hasn't it? And he even said but that. He's comfortably. I mean, if, yeah. if him, if him chattering about live, is going to make him win the Masters in April, <laughs> then he can do it every single day yeah. between between now and then. Between well, he now is, and Easter. So. <laughs> he can just do it. It's fine. I'm down for that. But uh, no, I, I can't agree with you on that. Um, and I, I just think as well, it just, they're loving it. Liv are loving it. It's, it's given Liv such a higher profile, him coming out on almost a weekly basis and saying something, hasn't it? Whereas if I just think if everyone had just... It just said nothing. I mean, Tiger's been sort of, I know he's come out now and he did this explosive interview, but him being away has sort of helped. Like, I just wonder how even more fame Liv would be getting if it was Tiger as well was there saying all these, dropping all these bombs. It just, I just think it helps them because, you know, and we as journalists, as soon as we see a headline that McElroy's said something about Liv, you know, you're going to jump on it, aren't you? And then all that's doing is just, it's just heightening Liv's presence in the golf world. It's playing right into their hands, I think. I think Greg's secretly loving it. I think he loves it when Norman, when McElroy, McElroy says, I wanted to be a pain in his ass. So does Norman. Norman loves it when he comes out and says something yeah. against him. Because then he, right. you know, he's, he's then got loads of people queuing up to talk to him about it. And suddenly every single headline is live, 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 live. It's just free advertising for him, isn't it? He loves it. Well, yeah, because they're, I mean, one of the main things they want is people to stop talking about the sports washing side mm-hmm. aspect of it. And they want people to start talking about the PGA Tour live golf rivalry, which is understandable from their perspective. Well, How long are we going to go on? That's the question. Well, yeah. It's going to it's going to run and run, isn't it? I don't think it's going to at any point stop. What do you think? I just want to just one more thing before we go, because I'm sort of still trying to 
dissect that nonsense you just chatted about <laughs> about Rory. What do you think of this? Another thing which has sort of blown up on social media in the last few days is, and and as well, to be fair, the last probably two years, on and off as he appears in in public, but. Charlie Woods, Tiger's son. Obviously, we're going to see them together at the PNC in a couple of weeks. He's been talked about this week because he was at the Hero World Challenge with his dad. And people were asking about him. And Tiger said quite a really nice quote, actually, I thought, where he said, I would people were starting to say that Charlie Woods' swing was very similar to Rory McIlroy's. Someone asked Tiger Woods, and Tiger said, Oh, yeah, because when I told him who's swing to mimic, I said, don't mimic mine, mimic Tigers. It was something to do with stability, wasn't it? it was like, have you ever seen Matt yeah. hit a shot? So he, which is a good thing. And then obviously you get, I don't want to use the phrase virtue signaling because it's just lost all meaning in the last few years. But it feels like there's just a bit of that side of social media where people go, oh, why are we talking about Charlie Woods? He's just a child and all this stuff. And you think, well, He's the son of the greatest golfer of all time. Tiger is, is thrusting him into the limelight by putting him in the PMC, by putting him on TV. Look, I spy shots when he's playing in a junior tournament is one thing. When he's front and centre at the PNC and, base, and really carrying his dad through that tournament, <laughs> let's not beat around the bush on that front. It's okay to get excited about it. Like it's okay to. I mean, I don't think saying, "Oh my God, Charlie Woods is a really good golfer and his like his dad is the greatest of all time." I don't think getting excited about that is putting any needless pressure on him. If Tiger was worried about the pressure, he'd be hidden away, he'd be private. But he's not. He's putting him front and center. Yeah, exactly. The fact that he's playing in the PNC, I mean, that's enough, isn't it? And as we and as he alluded to, didn't he? Tiger came out and said that you know he's almost playing these mind games with charlie and he's installing this culture in him that his his own dad put in him which we know how mentally tough that mindset is so he's not going to be worried about what a few people are saying on twitter is he if he's if he's putting that mindset in him you know it's the probably the last thing that either of them care about um, is it possible to feel pressure when your dad's a billionaire i don't know I don't. It's, it's just going to be. It's going to be really interesting to to see his development, isn't it? We know now. We've seen enough of his swing to know he's just got the most ridiculous swing. We know he's now got the Tiger Woods mindset. But golf's a funny old game, isn't it? It's not a game like you know. It's not something like football where Cristiano Ronaldo's son. Well, he's just obviously going to play for a top team because because he's Cristiano Ronaldo's son, and it's and it's a subjective sport where someone will just pick him. Do you know what I'm saying? Golf is still a scoring sport. He can have the best swing in the world. He can be Tiger Woods' son as much as he wants. He's still got to go out there and end up. And he always know, will shooting. be. Oh well, yeah, but you know not what I mean. He's not. He's not just going to get. He's not just. You know, the, the name value in golf can only get you so far, can't it? Before you've got to obviously put the results in. Now, from what we've seen, he's obviously going to be a pro and he's going to. He's going to be a good pro, but it's just so interesting, isn't it? How how successful is he actually going to become? And I don't want to whittle on about it too much because you know it's. He's still only, what, 14 years old. Um, but <laughs> and it's come at such a good time. We are just talking earlier in the show, weren't we, about is this the end for Tiger now? Yeah, probably. Will he win again? Now the narrative, well, how many is Charlie Woods going to win? He's <laughs> gone from one to the other, hasn't it? 83. No, 83. come on. Don't put so much pressure on him. Oh, it's disgusting, yeah. All right, let's leave it there because we've been yapping on for ages. Are we going to do like an end of year wrap-up? We're doing an awards just... show, yeah. 
No, let's let's leave it for the new year now. I think. What? We'll do a show in the new year where we look ahead to maybe do some major predictions and we'll maybe look. We know you're going to pick for every major, so there's no point in doing that. Charlie Woods. Yep. Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas. Enjoy it.